I'm excited you guys are in the house. You guys excited to be here? Yeah. A little bit. <laughs> it's going to be a good day in the house, man. Uh, Bear, I loved your welcome, by the way. Eat a hug. You know, Bear is up here. He got out of this. So I need somebody to give Bear a hug right now. Bear needs a hug. Look at this. <laughs> oh, I love messy to Bear. You know I love you. His wife said his heart's two sides too small. He's the Grinch stole Christmas. <clears throat> it's not true. He used to tell the kids, apparently, growing up, that he's allergic to Christmas lights. <laughs> Oh, scared of Christmas lights? Is that what it was? So we're praying for you, Barry, man. God's going to do some work in your heart today, buddy. Uh, but, man, we're, we're excited what God's going to do. Uh, man, we went to Walmart yesterday. Who knows? That's always fun, right? There's some people who need a hug at Walmart. Come on, somebody. Man, it was like a, a, the spirit of stuffitis, man. People were just pushing me out of the way. And we got kids, and they're just like rolling their eyes. Like, man, these people need to move out of the way. And uh, Diane kind of left there a little discouraged. I was like, oh, that was pretty good, man. I grew up in Raytown. This is my, this is my stopping ground at Walmart. So, uh, but, man, I'm telling you, people need the spirit of Christmas. I invite you guys out. Come out tomorrow at 6, Tuesday at 4. I know God's going to do something special. And uh, you never know what God's going to do in somebody's life. Uh, there's statistics that say that 80% of people come to church if they're simply invited. So I want encourage you to invite somebody. It's not too late to, to bring some to the family. Maybe somebody might surprise you that would come out here, you'd never think would darken over church. They're going to hear about Jesus. We're going to share uh, really le- losing control, letting uh, Jesus take your life, the story of Mary and uh, the Jesus, the king born in a manger. And so I'm excited to see what God's going to do tomorrow. Man, I'm excited today. Man, I'm ready to preach. You guys ready to hear something from God's word? You guys excited? Well, we are talking about travel and light, letting go of some stuff. Last week, Barry talked about letting go of pride. Today, we're talking about letting go of the past. I'm going to start it off with a story uh, about letting go of the past. And so just over three years ago, <clears throat> sorry, I'm, I'm be coughing all day, but just over three years ago, uh, Diane, uh, she decided to do this little thing called going into labor. And uh, we were watching Ice Age and something, the ice melted or something, dude. And so uh, she starts going into labor. And I don't know if you know my wife at all. Um, she's got a high pain tolerance, which I found out during this, uh, this, uh, this whole labor episode. And uh, I'm, tr- I'm timing the transactions because that's what good husbands do, right? Because transactions. <laughs> Just drop the mic. Now you know what a good dad I am, so... We'll talk about that in a minute. But anyway, so I'm, t- I'm timing all this out, and she's, she's telling me uh, about how, how painful it is. So I'm like, is this a scale of 1 to 10 on the app? It tells you, like, 10 is, like, just, like, you know, it's the worst pain in the world. And she's moaning. She's over a pillow, and she's moaning. She's like, that was a 3. I was like, a 3? That looked like a 30, you know? And so she's, she's in there and doing her thing, and I said, baby, sure you don't want to go? Like, time to leave? She's like, I, I think maybe. Like, yeah, it's probably time to go. So we go down to the midwife, and, uh, you know, Diane went the whole natural route, blue star for life. Apparently, any woman who has a baby, blue star for life. And uh, I'll tell you, there's nothing natural about it, by the way. I'm just going to let you know that, guys. You've, if you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. And so we get there, and she is dilated to an eight. So I'm like, if we wait any longer, uh, we just had the baby at home. You know, like, there's no pain whatsoever. It's just going to go with it. And so, uh, we, so we get in there, and, uh, of course, uh, I, I got the awesome experience of uh, actually catching Jack. And um, I'm telling you, some of you, it's like, it's a life-changing experience. I was overtaken by emotion. And uh, instead of saying what I wanted to say, which would have been like, baby, that was so beautiful. You're so strong. I'm so proud of you. Pushing out a healthy baby boy. This is why I said, like, in a man term, it was like this. Hey, babe, when we have the next one? And she looked at me like, like, a, like a black widow is going to eat the spouse, you know. I mean, I'm going to feed this baby you. She, oh, have you ever seen the Exodus? I mean, you know, and, and, she, and then the, the, the midwives were like, yeah, just cut that out, you know. It's like, sorry, man, I'm a, I'm a dad, you know. 
Um, but I'm just telling you, man, the past doesn't always stay in the past, does it? Who thought I would have heard about that for the next three years? I still hear about it, and I'll hear about transactions later, I'm sure. Because the past does not stay in the past. We're going to have some fun today. But sometimes the past isn't so funny, is it? Sometimes we might get in an argument. We might be upset with somebody, uh, maybe with your kids, and you say something that you really didn't want, you didn't really mean, but you said, but you can't take it back. Uh, sometimes in the past, you, you may have made a financial decision and you spent way too much money or bought something you can't get out from underneath and it's still affecting your life today. Maybe some, some of us, we, we've done something that we shouldn't uh, have done. We were at a place we shouldn't be in. Maybe there was a betrayal of a friendship. We hurt somebody and that relationship was never restored. Maybe for some of us, uh, we had a close friend and we lost some trust with and maybe we weren't on the same page and we distanced ourselves and we haven't talked in years. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it was a life event that robbed you of your expectations for today. Maybe you turned 40 or 50. I think 50 is the magic age I've heard from a few people. And they just turn an age and all of a sudden it's like, man, life has not given me what I wanted. And the past has a way to just come back in our lives over and over again. If anybody understood the past, it was Peter. The disciple Peter struggled with the past. And you're saying, is this the same Peter that like stepped out of the boat and walked on water and focused on Jesus, fixed his eyes on Jesus? Yes, that's the same Peter. Who knows that disciple making doesn't look like a linear graph? Come on, somebody. It's like a scribble. You've got teenagers. You know what I'm talking about. You're like, I thought we were doing so well. No, we're not. And so this is Peter. And so Peter, who walked on water, he's struggling. And this is the Last Supper. It's the night that Jesus is going to be betrayed. He's going to go to his trial. He's going to be crucified. And Peter's in the upper room with Jesus. And Jesus leans over to him and says, hey, at some point, you're going to turn your back on me. I'm let Satan have you for a season, but you're going to turn your back on me. And Peter goes, no way, Jesus. There's no way. I'm going to go to prison with you. If you go to prison. I'm going to even die for you. Man, Peter was all in. I'm, if you're going down, I'm going down with you. I'm going to fight to death. I'll be here no matter what. And later that day, this is how it goes, Jesus gets arrested. The disciples all are afraid and scared. And so Peter, he didn't have to look death in the face. He looked a little girl in the face. He said, aren't you the one... I swore you're with Jesus. He's like, no, no, I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about, little girl. Jesus, I don't know anything about that Jesus guy. Somebody else comes up to him and says, I know you're walking with Jesus. I saw you with that crowd. He goes, man, who is Jesus? I don't even know this Jesus. Have you heard of Jesus before? I don't know what you're talking about. An hour later, another person comes up to him and says, you're a Galilean. I know for sure with Jesus. He said, man, I don't have a clue what you're talking about. Like, I don't know this Jesus guy. And in that moment, this is what the Bible says in Luke 22. It says, at that moment, the Lord turned and what? What does it say? Lord turned and looked at Peter. In that moment, literally Jesus was walking by the courtyard in, uh, in, in history. He's, he's probably carrying his cross. He's literally gone through his trial and he's on his way to the hill of Calvary. And his eyes just meet Peter in that very moment. He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And there's Jesus looking right at him. And this is what it says. Suddenly the Lord's word flashed in Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you'll deny me three times that you even know me. And Peter left the court weeping. Barely. I mean, you ever been in that moment? Maybe you've done something you shouldn't do and you got caught. Your can is in the cookie jar. There's no way, Jesus. It was just an hour earlier, a few hours earlier, that he was saying, I'm going to go to death with you. And now he's telling this little girl that I don't even know him. And, and that look of Jesus' face where he sees him, he goes, man, he feels so guilty. You can imagine him being like Peter's shoes and having the guilt. I can't believe I just did that. Like he went from the mountaintop to the valley in a few hours. Maybe it's that shame that it's on our lives. Like, man, what's going to happen when the disciples found out? I sure hope nobody else hears about this. I sure hope nobody knows what I just did. I regret the choice I've made. I can't change the past. And Peter, he wept bitterly in that courtyard and ran off. Now, I believe our spiritual enemy's greatest tactic is to keep our eyes on our worst. I mean, if Satan can just keep us looking at all our failures. I mean, if Satan can just keep us being downtrodden. If he can tell us we're not good enough. Man, if I could just be a little better. Do you think that Satan made a whisper a little word to Peter in that moment? Hey, Peter, I know you think you're special. But Jesus just carried the cross for you and you denied him. 
you're not that good. You can't make it. Man, Satan has a voice in our head, doesn't he? Satan can get the best of us. If he can't defeat you, he'll just take you out in your mind. He'll stop you from doing what he wants you to do, what God wants you to do. You ever felt that way? You ever felt disappointed? You ever disappointed somebody and known about it? Like you had to own up to it and then somebody saw you doing something you shouldn't do or maybe you're stealing something or you're around somebody you shouldn't be around or somewhere you shouldn't be or maybe you got caught in a lie or maybe you betrayed the team. Maybe you betrayed a relationship. Maybe you took advantage of a situation. You have been in that situation you felt that guilt and that shame and Satan's just telling you, hey, the song of your life is you'll never make it. You'll never be good enough. Man, if people knew what you did, if people knew exactly what happened today, they, wouldn't under, they would not follow you, <clears throat> and they wouldn't love you. And this is what Satan tells us. Man, Satan has a song he wants us to play in our life, and Peter, he is playing that song. In this season, he's playing it, and Satan tells him this, hey, you're unforgivable. Man, you've done too much. Man, if you, you, you've been too, too far down the road, or maybe the opposite, you, just, you haven't done enough. Man, if you'd just shown up a few times, come on. If you'd have been there, if you'd, if you'd have been a part of that person's life, and Satan tells us, man, you're such a failure. You're such a failure. Maybe Satan whispers this word, man, you're unlovable. Man, if people knew what you've been through, I mean, come on. If you knew what went on in your life yesterday, you wouldn't be sitting next to the person next to you. Tell the person next to you, I'll sit next to you. I'll sit next to you, still. But if you knew what happened yesterday, if you knew what you said to your spouse, I mean, if you knew what you looked at on the phone, I mean, if they knew what really happened, would they really love you? I mean, would they? This is the voice of Satan. He tells us, he puts a shame on our life. And I believe in our culture today, one of the greatest things that we struggle with is shame. If Satan can just keep us condemned in our sin, if he can just make us feel like a failure, he can make us feel unlovable, he can make us feel useless. That God can't use us. You've done too much, you've been too far. There's other people you can't add up. God doesn't want you. God doesn't love you. You're not good enough for him. The problem, the problem with Peter is his eyes are going to be so focused on himself. I want you to see what happens with Peter. He looks at his worst. And so Jesus, he dies, he is crucified, he resurrects from, from the dead, and he is seen by the disciples. This is not the first time that Peter knows about Jesus raising from the dead. I want you to look where Peter finds himself when he gets into this depression, when he gets into this defeat, when he looks at his past. It says this in John 21, 3. This is what Peter is doing. He says, I'm going out to fish. I'm going out to fish. Simon Peter told them, and they, being disciples, said, hey, we'll go with you. And so they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Go figure. Here's what Peter did. As, as soon as he got stuck in his mind and he got stuck in the past, you know what he went back to? He went back to the boat that he gave Jesus earlier. Three and a half years ago, Peter, or Jesus called Peter out of the boat. Jesus called Peter to give up his life, his tackle box, his fishing pole, his livelihood, his career, his boat, his friends, and said, hey, I'm going to follow you. And so he left everything. In the moment in his defeat, when Jesus has the greatest victory, Peter goes back to the boat. You know, it's crazy when you're in a state of mind, you don't think people are following you. Here's Peter. He's not trying to lead anybody, but he basically says, hey, guys, I'm going out fishing. And then what they say? Oh, I'll go with you. Boom, there it was. That was, a, that, was, that, was a, that was a lure coming out there, baby. He's trying to catch something, right? And they caught nothing. They're all they're out there all night long trying to catch something. I just wonder how many of us are fishing. Like, like how, many, how many of us have gone back to that place that's so comfortable? Like, how many of us have just said, you know what, God, I, I tried so hard, but I, I'm just not good enough. I can't make it. God, you would never use me, so I'm going to go back to my tackle box. Like, I'm going to do something that's comfortable. I'm back in that addiction. God, I'm just going to isolate myself a little bit on this boat. I don't have to deal with all of the problem. I can insulate myself with 100 yards of water. I have to be around all the world and all the defeat. And I have to remind of the pain in the past. I can be in this moment and do what's so convenient and so predictable for my life. I believe it's so easy for us to lose sight of our calling. Peter completely lost sight of his calling. He just couldn't get past his past. And I love what Jesus does. It's amazing. In John 24, it says, Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore. 
Man, I love this. Because Satan would have us to believe that God's a God of a single chance. Amen? Satan is telling you, hey, you're done. It's over. You failed. But Jesus is a God of second chances. Amen? He's a God of third chances and fourth chances and fifth chances and tenth chances, 70 times 70, that Jesus wants relationship with us. And I love what God does. He says this in verse, 20, uh, verse 5. He says, but the, Jesus, the disciples did not realize it was Jesus. So on this boat, and they look out, and they're like, I don't even know who that guy is. They didn't recognize him. And he called out to them. He said, friends, haven't you any fish? I love Jesus. He, like, obviously, he knows they didn't catch any fish. Come on, somebody. You're that guy, right? How's the fishing going, guys? And I, I love it. You know, maybe God's on the shore of your life. And maybe you're back in, in, in your past, and your depression, and you're struggling. And Jesus is over there going, having fun yet? Are you having fun yet? I know you don't recognize my voice. You don't, know, you don't see me right now. But I just want to know, you catch any fish? And I love the only thing that they told Jesus, the one who raised from the dead, the only thing they said, check it out what they said. They said, no. That's it. Jesus on the shore. You catch any fish? No. I didn't catch any fish. And so Jesus replies to him. He says, throw out your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. When they did, they were unable to haul in the net because they had a large number of fish. And then the disciple whom Jesus loved, this is John. So John was like a lot smarter than Peter. Then John says to Peter, hey, got a little elbow. It's the Lord. That's Jesus. Who knows you need a friend like that? Come on, somebody. So in the name of Jesus says, hey, hey, I know you're stuck in the boat, brother, but that's Jesus right there. And the funny thing about Peter is he didn't recognize Jesus on the shore. He didn't recognize his his voice, and he didn't recognize his miracle. But he had a friend in his life that said, hey, guess what? That's Jesus. I love what Jesus does. This is something you need to hear this morning. Even though Peter gave up on himself, you got to hear this. God never gave up on Peter. Amen. God never gave up on Peter. Somebody's got to hear this morning. God has never given up on you and will never give up on you. Even though you're out fishing and Jesus sees you out there back in that calling that you'd have on your life. And he goes, hmm, having fun yet? And you're like, no, I'm not. Thank you for asking. And Jesus is pursuing Peter and the disciples. This is the third time, literally the third time he's appeared to his disciples. He has gone, resurrected from the dead. He's appeared to them. This is the third time. He, they still don't see him. They still don't recognize him. They still don't know his voice. And this is what, this is what, uh, this is what happens. As, as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord. I love this. He wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken off. I guess he's skinny dipping. I don't know what's going on here in the Bible. And he jumped into the water and he swam to Jesus. He jumped out of the boat and just went crazy towards Jesus. I'm just telling you, some of you guys are going to jump in the water today and swim towards Jesus. Some of you guys have been living way back in the past. Some of you guys are playing this song of defeat and condemnation, and you're struggling. And today you're going to say, you know what, Jesus, I need to run to you. Matter of fact, it was like Michael Phelps style. They're 100 yards off the shores, as the Bible says, and he beat the boat back. Come on. He beat everybody rowing. He was swimming so fast, he wanted to get to Jesus. Because Jesus never gave up on us. Jesus still pursues us. Even though he betrayed him, literally, while he was carrying his cross, he still came after Peter. Because he wasn't done with Peter yet. And this is what Jesus says to Peter. With all the guilt and shame, regret, insecurity that Peter was struggling with. He denied him as he carried the cross. He says this, verse 15 says, After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John. Who knows when you use all three names? Come on, somebody. It's like your mama, Sean, Hamilton, Petrie. You better get right over here. You guys are laughing at my name. I knew somebody would do that. Drew. (laughs) You can have that name, by the way. I'll give it to you. Hamilton. It's It's on a $10 bill, baby. Come on now. But anyway, you can, if you name your child's middle name Hamilton, you can, I'll, I'll let you do that. It's, it's a blessing, right? But you know what's going to happen, right? As soon as you hear your name called out like that, you know you're going to get a speech, right? You can see Peter just sitting there like, oh, here it comes. Here it comes. Man, I'm so ashamed of you. Like, if you would have followed my plan the first time, you've got to fix this. You're going to earn your keep again. You better get it right. Like, he's waiting for it because the hammer's about to drop. 
But Jesus, he doesn't do that. Jesus does something completely different than most of us would think. And he says, in verse 15, he says, after breakfast, this is like around the campfire, an intimate setting, Jesus said, hey, Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, I'm talking to you. Do you love me? Do you love me more than these things? I mean, do you love me more than your boat, Jesus? I'm on you having so much fun. <laughs> but do you love me more than all the stuff you're doing? Right? You love me more than fishing? Do you love me? And Peter, he looks at him and he says, he says, yes, Lord, you know I love you. He says, feed my lambs. He said, feed my lambs. And then Jesus repeated the question a second time. He said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter's like, yes, Lord, I, I love you. You know I love you. Then take care of my sheep. And Jesus asked a third time. And who knows that now Peter might have remembered that he has not only betrayed Jesus or denied him once, but not just twice, but three times. And so all of a sudden, it might start clicking for Peter, like maybe there's more to this story. And so Jesus asked him again, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter said, the Bible says he was hurt that Jesus even asked him a third time. He was offended that Jesus kept asking him. And he says, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you, Jesus said. And he says, feed my sheep. What's Jesus telling Peter right here? Jesus is restoring his calling. He said, Peter, you're so focused on the past. You're so focused on your failure. You've missed the victory. Because when you're out here fishing, come on, somebody. I was on that cross. I defeated death, hell, and the grave for you. This is a season of victory, but all you can see is your defeat. So many times in our life, we're looking back at our past and always say, man, I can't do this. And I can't do this. But you know what? God can. Amen? God can change your story. God can change your life. I know it's comfortable, Peter. I know you're on that boat. I know you're loving it. You're, man, you're making quite the income right now, but I've got a mission for you. I'm not done with you. I need to feed my sheep. What is, what is Jesus telling him? See, Jesus is the great shepherd. But when Jesus went around, he said, man, the, the world is like a, a group of lost sheep without a shepherd. And so Jesus is the great shepherd. And he's telling Peter, guess what? I'm not going to be around forever. I need you to help lead the church. Like I'm entrusting you with everything I'm leaving to lead this organization called the church to reach people far from God. I'm entrusting these keys to you. I'm not done with you, Peter. There's a call in your life. I know you love fishing, but do you love that more than you love this? Well, of course I don't. Hey, then follow me. Follow me. I've got a plan for your life. Don't let your past rob you of your future. Don't let your past, don't let your failure, don't let that moment of insecurity or doubt, the moment you messed up, rob you of the thing that God has for you today. I believe in God has a new song for your life. Amen. Believing God has a song once they're right in your life. You can stay in that pit for a long time, and we do get there. There's the seasons that we roll in, and in this, in this society, we're always out comparing. Like, what, what about this, and what about that? Well, I wish I had this and that. And we get in this season in our life, we're just full of shame. Like, God doesn't want to look at me. Like, I'm not good enough to be a dad. I, I'll, I'll never measure up as a husband. I'm just, I'm just me. Like, I'm, never, I'm not that person. And we get struggle and struggle and struggle, but I'm <clears throat> praying today that you get a new song in your life. That God's going to heal you. That God is going to change your perspective. You're not going to look at your failure. You're going to look at God's victory. So how do we do this? First thing is this. We hold our chin high. Man, everybody put your chin up high. Come on, let's do it. Put your chin up. You guys can do it. So what's up? Like old school, right? What's up? What's up? That's Ray South right there. What's up? You know, but you don't, you don't look up. You're like, what's up? You know, you're cool like that. All right, put your chin up, right? You can do that. Man, that's not a cocky thing. It's not a proud thing. It's not a rude thing. I'm not looking down on people. I'm just telling you, you're a, you're a chosen son and daughter of the king. Amen. The Bible says this very clearly in John 1, 1, 12. He says, but to all who have believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. You're an heir to the throne. You're not just you. You are bought with the blood, a brought price of Jesus on the cross. The Bible says you're not born of the flesh or the will of man or the, or the will of flesh, but you're born of Jesus. You're born of God. And so you have a new name. You have a new identity. You're in Christ. And so you can walk with some godly confidence in your life that you are a prince or a princess to the king, that you are made new, that you're not who the world says you are and who Satan says you are, who God says you are. You are a child of the king today. But I believe this, man, nothing can stop you from the, from the love of God. 
mean, not even yourself. Like all the problems, all the past cannot separate you from God wants your life. Even Peter betrayed Jesus. We haven't seen that look from Jesus, have we? Where we betrayed him and we saw his eyes. And Peter betrayed Jesus literally as he carried his cross. But Jesus comes after him and forgives him and restores him and makes him new. I'm telling you, God can restore you today. You should hold your head high because God is in the restoration business. It says in 1 John 1, 9, but if we confess our sins to God, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. God will restore you. I mean, all you got to do is run to him. You can hold your head high. This is something so powerful to know that you're fully loved by God and fully known by him. I mean, Jesus knows exactly what you're struggling with. Jesus knows what you saw on your phone. Jesus knows what happened. Jesus knows what conversation you had. Jesus knows about the fight. Jesus knows about the finances. And some of you guys came in this morning and you're hiding something. You're hiding something from everybody else. You're hiding something from God and you're struggling. I'm telling you, Jesus knows you fully. Jesus knows everything. He knows your failure. He predicted Peter's denial three times and said, there's going to be a rooster that's going to crow, by the way, and you're going to deny me, but I'm going to let Satan have it for a season, but I'm coming back after you, Peter, because I've got a call in your life. Jesus knew all this about Peter. And he still chose to follow him or to find him and to love him. I'm telling you something, there's something powerful about having a dad in your life that fully loves you and fully knows you. He knows everything about you, all the wrongs, all the pain, all the suffering, all the failure, but he chooses to love you. I'm telling you something, that's the most freeing feeling in the world when you have a heavenly father that loves you even though you have failed because it's not you that brings the victory, it's Jesus that brings the victory. You say, well, Sean, you don't really understand. Like, I've done too much. Man, I, I lied to my spouse, I cheated on my spouse. Like, my past is so ugly, God couldn't do anything with it. I'm just going to tell you, God wants to clean up the mess. When I was in high school, I, I had a buddy of mine, and uh, we were good friends. We always got in trouble. And we were 18, and uh, we had this, he had his grandpa's van he borrowed. And we decided it would be a good idea to put a tire on the road and, and just hit it with the van. Because, come on, who knows? That's a really brilliant idea, right? We're 18. The brain's not connected yet. We just do dumb stuff, right? I'm a guy. It's a transaction. That's what we do, you know? And so we go down the road, and we hit the tire. And, of course, it doesn't, like, throw the tire. It lifts the van up and breaks the bumper and throws us in the ditch. And, and of course, our first response as God-fearing children of God was to hide it from everybody. <laughs> And so we went out and bought a bumper, and we put the license plate back. We painted with pale, uh, with a fingernail polish to put the letters back on it, back in the blue, whatever color it was, and all that. And we put it all back together, and for six months, we lied about it. Six months, pretend it didn't happen. Six months, we, we didn't tell his grandpa. And, he, and one day, his grandpa just got smart because he cleaned his van. He's like, hmm, the bumper is awfully shiny for this van. And so he came to us, and he said, hey, anything about the van? I was like, man, it ran great. <laughs> <laughs> ride that tire great so what about that bumper and it's like yeah well we decided to put a tire in the road and hit it and he said this line to us i never forget he, he said hey if you would have asked me i would help you fix it if you just would have told me i would have fixed it for you like we spent all of our savings to buy the bumper <laughs> to to run around crazy we scuffed it up and we were doing everything we could to pretend like it didn't happen i'm telling you jesus wants to fix your mess like you just gotta let him in your life like some of you are like, oh, no, no, I'm not good enough. No, 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 Jesus, Jesus knows. He went to the cross and died for you while Peter is on in, in the boat and he doesn't hear Jesus. Jesus already resurrected from the dead. Jesus defeated death, hell, and the grave for Peter. He forgave Peter on that cross. And so Peter doesn't quite understand what God wants his life to be. So Peter, just hold your head up high. You ever been around a dad that, you know, that's kind of my goal as a dad. And when you get in trouble, you don't run from your dad, you run to your dad. Maybe it's a foreign, I mean, it's a foreign concept for me. We'll be great. We've got to run to our Heavenly Father. I know it's foreign for most of us, but we can run to our dad. He wants to help us. He's going to lift our chin up and say, I'm so proud of you. Hey, just pick it back up. I've got a call in your life. I'm not done with you. Don't be down on yourself. 
It's not, we're not called to, to pick up our mess. Matter of fact, the Bible says this, there's no condemnation in Christ. There's no condemnation in Christ. What that basically means is this, if there's a voice in your life that's making you put your head down, that's not the voice of God. The voice of God doesn't push you down. He doesn't tear you down. He doesn't make you feel like a failure and be useless. The voice of God lifts you up. There's no voice of condemnation. There's a song in your life that tells you you're not good enough and you're worthless. That's not the voice of God. That's the voice of somebody else. That's the voice of Satan. That's a, that's a sin nature. But that's not what God wants in your life. God wants to pick your head up high. Second thing is this. Step into your future. Just take a step into your future. God has a call on your life. He told Peter, i got a call for you. I, I know you don't see past your failure, but I, I've got a call for you. I just need to take a step, Peter. Like, I need to feed my sheep. I've got a plan for you. I know all you see is your failure, but there's something more important than your failure. You've got to look into your future. I know you think you're a fisherman, Peter, but you're called to fish for men. Feed my sheep. Care for my sheep. Feed my lambs. I've got a mission. I've got a call. I've got a purpose. It's bigger than your failure, Peter. It's bigger than your failure. Who knows your pain will direct your next step? So many times you look at your pain and you think, man, I'm worthless. No, no, no. God's going to use that pain to point you in the next step. God's going to use that pain. If you grew up like I did, I had an absent dad. And so many of you guys had that in your life. But you know what God calls you today? So take that step. I'm going to be a present father. Amen. I'm going to be there for my kids. Like I'm going to tell them every day, I love them. I'm proud of you. You're crazy little boy, but I love you. I mean, keep doing what you're doing. Don't tell mom, right? Like I'm going I'm to be there. Like I'm going to take that step as a dad. I'm going to be different. Just because You can't control your past, but guess what? God can rewrite your future, amen? So I'm going to take a step in that direction. I'm going to do something a little different. God's going to call me out on the water. And some of you guys grew up in a rigid home, maybe a real hard home. I mean, the word grace was like, what is grace? I've never heard of this idea of grace. And today, you have the chance to lead your own family. And for some of you, you can say, I'm going to be a different parent. I'm going to take a step in that direction. Some of you say, you know what? I can help somebody who's in another situation. Maybe be a foster parent. Maybe you can adopt somebody. Maybe there's somebody around me that I can pour into because I can be a mentor because, you know what, I know something that I didn't know then. I know something. I know about the grace of God. I'm going to be different. I mean, some of you guys grew up in a home of abuse. I mean, some of you guys saw the worst of life. You've been to hell and back, literally in this earth. You've seen it. You've seen it all. You've heard the stories. You've been a part of it. And it would be shocking the number of people that raise their hand right now. I'm not asking you to raise your hand, but have been through some kind of abuse. It's absolutely shocking. And Satan has us to think that, that we're alone and we're stuck in our past and we can't move forward and we're married to this and it's going to be our story the rest of our lives. I just want to tell you what God can do to help you point in the right direction. When I was in college, um, there was a friend of mine who were close, that I was close with and um, she helped me run a bus ministry. We picked up kids in the North Springfield and uh, Missouri and it's just this real poor part of town. And she had a special grace on our life. I mean, I'm talking about a, special, a grace that maybe I don't even have today. I mean, just a very special grace, just loving people. And she, she just get out with those kids. I'm telling you, those kids, they smell like everything. I mean, they, they lived in houses just infested with bugs and, and cats, all this crazy stuff that just was, I mean, poor and poor as poor kids. And she just loved those kids. And I'm like, man, how did she have that grace in her life? When I found out her story, it all kind of makes sense because when you go through something difficult in your life, you have pain in your past. Who knows you have the same grace as everybody else, but it just tastes so much sweeter. You have something to give back. And if you don't know her story, she grew up in Kentucky. She was in the backwoods of Kentucky at a trailer park. And so she, she grew up, and I'm talking like backwoods. I'm like, hee-hee, backwoods. Hee-hee, you know? I mean, she, she got the, her accent's thick. And, uh, and so, she, so she grew up in the backwoods of Kentucky in a trailer park. Her biological father uh, left her and abandoned her. Uh, she got uh, brought into another family, eventually adopted. And, and just by happen chance, a church van uh, went to the trailer park she lived in and picked her up to go to church. And so she started going to church, and she met Jesus at church. And God just radically changed life and got a hold of her. And, uh, and you think, like, man, all that love and grace she had on that bus ministry, uh, she was a bus kid. 
Uh, she had different grace because, you know what, she had a call in life because she knew what it was like to, to live in, in maybe the worst situation possible and walk through life the way she walked walk through. And she knew what it was like to be those kids in those houses. And so she served on that bus ministry for four years, and we saw countless little kids come to Christ. People being Jesus, and she loved them so well, and it never clicked with me how she had that until I heard her story. And then something tragic happened in her life. When she was in high school, she, she went to youth group, but something happened with, with a youth leader in her that was inappropriate. Something that was just unheard of. And uh, she had every reason to quit on God. Every reason to give up on Jesus. Every reason to give up on church because somebody was trying to rob something from her. And so by the time I met her in Bible college, she's had this special walk about her. And if you fast forward to today, uh, she serves alongside Micah McKelvin in one of the, one of the well, these amazing nonprofit ministries called Vapor Sports Ministries, where she serves tens of thousands of people every single day across the world, providing food, water, clothing, shelter, education, and most important, the name of Jesus. She has taken the bus routes to the slums of the world, and to Kalamari, Kenya, to Gashagi, into Haiti, and three different centers. She plays a part of the story. And uh, in 2011, I had the privilege and honor of going with her and her husband, and uh, she shared the story and, uh, about her past. And we sat down and we're in a hut in Gashagi in the south side of Nairobi, Kenya. And she's in front of all these people she's influenced. I'm talking a center that costs $500,000. And that's just not the only center. And they're raising up disciples across the world. And she said this. She said, when I was in high school, I never would have imagined what God would have done with my life. After I've been through what I've been through. After all the abuse. All the guilt. All the pain. All the failure. I never would imagine what God was going to do in my life. Guys, tell you, I'm so thankful that she didn't focus on her failure. She didn't focus on what somebody did to her, but she focused on the victory of Jesus. Can I just tell you how thankful I am that the only qualification to follow Jesus is not a perfect past, but the presence of God in your life? Can I just tell you how thankful I am that she didn't give up? Can I just tell you that? I mean, my preaching is better than this. I'm telling you something. God's doing something. I mean, God wants to use your life. And you think, well, God can't use me. Yes, he can. God can use you because you look back at your story. Guess what? It's not your story. No, no, no. God is victorious. Amen. It's not a story of my failure. It's a story of God's faithfulness. See, the story of Peter and Jesus is not a story of Peter's failure. It's a story of God's victory. It's a story of God's forgiveness, God's love, God's pursuit of us, God never quitting on us, God loving us, God giving us a calling even though we don't feel qualified, God using us, God can use you this morning, I'm telling you, hold your head high, come on, so put your head up, I'm going to hold my head high, so we get to walk out of here for Christmas, be like, I don't know what's going on, but you know what, I'm a child of the king, now, I'm going I'm to take a step in that direction, God's calling me, he's going to use my life, he's going to put me somewhere I can be used, that pain that, God, that somebody put in my life, that affliction, he's going to use me to break me, and that grace of God's going to be so much sweeter today. I'm going to encourage you guys to let go of your past. I mean, let go of the insecurity. I mean, let go of the fear. Let go of the failure and follow Jesus today. I'm going to tell you, when you can wake up one of these days, you're going to say, thank God. Man, that was right before Christmas. Thank God I gave up my past because I never would imagine. I never would imagine what God was going to do in my life. Father, we come before you. God, I pray you can have our past. God, I pray you can take it from us. God, we, we get so focused on our failures and our defeats and our wrongs. God, but I pray that we focus on the cross of Jesus. God, that while we were fishing in the boat, God, you were busy at work. You've forgiven us. God, you have a call in our life. God, I pray we would not look back and be robbed of our past or robbed of our future because we're looking into the past. Today, as you guys are praying, for those of you who are followers of Jesus, you've been holding on to the past. There's a lot of emotion in this room now for some of us to take a moment of courage. There are some of you today that you thought to yourself you're unlovable. I mean, some of you have been making the post. Some of you have been reaching out and you're thinking, I'm unforgivable. I'm useless. You're struggling. And today your prayer is simple this. God, I'm just 
I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm ready to let go of my past. I won't allow you to do a healing work in my heart today. If that's you, just a moment of honesty. You just lift your hand high and say, you know, I won't let go of my past. If that's you in this place, don't be looking around. I won't let go of my past. And I see your hands. Anybody else, I won't let go of my past. I want to give it to Jesus today. God, I trust you. If that's you, you just pray this. Say, Father God, man, I just lift my head to you. Man, you, 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 are my, you are my dad. You've forgiven me. You've made me new. God, I pray that you, you help me forgive others. God, maybe you've taken advantage of me. God, help me to forgive myself. God, help me to hold my head high. God, I know you love me. God, it's not a story if I fell in love with you. God, you've always loved me. And so, God, I'm going to come back to you. God, use my pain to further my call. God, give me the mission. Restate my mission. God, remind me of what you saved me for. God, I gave this stuff up. I went back to it. But, God, you're still pursuing me. God, you're on the shore of my life. God, I didn't recognize you, but now I see you. God, I'm going to run to you today. God, I'm going to let go of my past. God, remind me that I am a chosen son and daughter of the king. And one day, God, I'm going to say, I never would imagine. I never would imagine what you've done in and through my life. As you keep praying today, there are some of you realizing that you're struggling with a guilt, you're struggling with pain, you're struggling with regret, and you need God's grace in your life today. Man, what is Jesus' grace? Man, Jesus' grace is this. He knows you fully. He knows you completely. He knows everything in your life, and he still loves you unconditionally. Jesus is on pursuit of you. It's the greatest gift of all time that Jesus became the sin on our cross, on the cross for us. He exchanged all of our wrongs for all of his rights. He died for us to make us whole because he wants better for our lives. And the third day, the Bible says this, that Jesus rose from the dead, defeating death, hell, and the grave for us. He's been on a rescue mission pursuing us ever since. So ever since. And if you're in this moment and you're struggling with yourself, I would encourage you to take your eyes off of your failure. Take your eyes off yourself and look to Jesus because Jesus, his arms are open wide, ready to receive you and heal you and make you new today. The Bible says that anyone who calls on the name of Jesus will be set free from guilt and shame, will be victorious in Christ. And we call on him to forgive you and make you new today. If that's you this morning, say, I need Jesus. I need forgiveness. I want my life to be new. I'm going to let go of my past, let go of guilt. I'm going to let go of condemnation. I want a new song in my life. I want Jesus today. If that's you, just lift your hand high across this room. Say, I want Jesus. And be like that this morning. But I want a relationship with Jesus. And if that's you, just pray this prayer. Say this, Father God, thank you so much for sending your best. Thank you for sending Jesus. God, I've been doing it my way. God, I've been repeating that same cycle of addiction. God keeps having the same thoughts. But today, Jesus, I heard your voice. God, I'm a chosen son and daughter of you. God, you died for me. God, thank you for dying for my wrongs. God, I don't have to be condemned. I'm made new. God, thank you for Jesus. God, I just want to serve you. You can have my life. And praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's give it up for God this morning. The God is victorious and he loves us. Come on.